Good evening, good evening, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Muzzle Is Off podcast. I am your host, Nakia Monet, and I just want to welcome everybody to the show today. We are still on the topic of human sexuality, but today we're going to discuss it in the context of rigid gender constructs, rigid gender roles, rigid gender uh, influences, how, uh, based on human sexuality, how your gender can be, um, how your gender can play a major role in how you view yourself as far as your sexuality. So I'm going to introduce two of my guests. One of the guests, she is still, she is on her way. Um, we have Marcus with us today. Go ahead, unmute your phone. Go ahead, you can unmute now, Marcus. Hello, hello, hello. And we have Gail with us today. Good afternoon or good evening. Good evening, okay, because we didn't the afternoon, listen. <laughs> it felt like it was afternoon, it's been a long day. <laughs> yeah, days are starting to run into each other. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to start off with just a brief definition so that we could begin to truly, once again, break down and understand uh, the concept of gender and the concept of gender and how it plays as far, how, how basically how it's defined in sociology. Okay, does that sound right to y'all? Sounds good. All right, so when... A sociologist thinks of gender, what they do is they have to examine how societal influences our understandings and perceptions of the differences between masculinity, what we think is masculine, and what we think is feminine. And what begins to happen is, is that, what begins to happen is that Based on how we define masculinity and based on how we define femininity, what we define as masculine is normally attributed to a male trait. What we define as feminine is normally attributed to a female trait, a woman's trait. And when we think of that in, in, in rigid terms, we're basically saying that certain things are only ascribed to men and other things are only ascribed to women. So some things are only ascribed to be male, other things are only ascribed to be female. And that typically is just not the case, right? So when we begin to really think of gender, gender is typically viewed as something that is a lot more fluid, meaning that it, 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 it's not as rigid as one would think. Gender can be very fluid. So gender might not depend on biological traits, right? Gender can depend on basically a concept of how you view yourself, right? Whereas sex is literally determined based on a biological trait, your genes, okay? You got XY, chromosomes, boom, male, boom, female, this is how we're going to say you are male, you are female, because you were born with this genitalia and you were born with a vagina, right? But when we begin to look at it in its full context, we can't say that it's just based on just those factors. 
And oftentimes, you know, we can get into uh, we can get into religious debates. We can get into you know theoretical debates. We can get into all these different debates on what we believe, what we think. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are in a time now where we have to understand that gender technically is a lot more fluid than what we are. I'm going to say typically used to uh, things that we have been accustomed to, things that um, things that that we have been designed to understand, right? Things that have truly been embedded, um, you know, into us from a youth. You know, um, we know that sometimes when we're raising children, we will tell a little boy, "No, no, no, you don't do that because that's what girls do." No, no, you don't touch that because that's for girls. And we'll tell little girls like, no, 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 you, you can't do that because that's for a boy. That's boys. So if you see a little girl playing with a truck, no, no, you need to take this doll because, you know, that's for boys. And the same thing with little boys. And I know I did that stuff with my nephew because he would see me putting on makeup and he'd be like, Titi, that's makeup. And I'm like, yeah, but this for girls. That's for girls. Right. Girls. This is for girls. And what we begin to realize is, is that we place rigid gender constructs around, and they're very rigid, around children. And then these same children form into adults with these same rigid gender constructs. So that, that's how I wanted to open that up. And you guys, let me know what you think. Marcus O'Gill. Okay. <laughs> well, I think when it comes to uh, raising a child, it is up to the parents um, to direct which way the child should be raised. Um, as far as gender and sexuality, um, in my circles, most people know that I'm going to say, you know, I think until a certain age, a, a child should just be oblivious. Um, now, what I mean oblivious is um, they need, um, I believe this world is over-sexualized, um, which has caused a lot of confusion. Now, does that mean I'm for or against anything? No. I just think the world is over-sexualized and, you know, we're not giving our children, um, when we're talking about kids, now we're not talking about adults, we're not giving our children enough time to um, learn who they are. Um, what do they like? You know, if it's a girl that likes trucks, it's a girl who likes trucks. I can't take that away from her. Um, now, there are some males that ascribe to wanting to raise their boys a certain way, the way they were raised. Um, and for them, that's their right. Um, do I agree? Uh, it's, I agree and disagree depending on the situation and um, the overall raising of the child. Um, but I have my perspectives and others have, have their perspectives. Um, when it comes to science, you know, science explain certain things. So um, I'm not going to dance around it. You know, I believe what I believe and, you know, I agree with what I agree with. Um, and that's how I'll start off. Okay. Gail. Um, so I agree with, with most of what both you and uh, Marcus said, we definitely when it comes down to children, um, we cannot put them within that box of this is what a male should, this is what a boy or a male should do. This is what a female or a girl should do. Um, so 
I do ascribe to that. But there's another group of people that we have not talked about, which are um, also intersex people. And these are people who are born with two sets of, uh, they're born with both male and female organs. I know I'm probably going deep already. And so the parents choose at a very early age of whether that child is going to be male or female. And this starts to cause some confusion around the time of puberty because, you know, they can start having more male hormones or female hormones, and it may not match up with this set of genitalia that they have. So this is another thing that we need to start, we have to think about too, when we start to talk about human sexuality and gender. Um, the other thing could be is you can be a person that has more of uh, the masculine hormone than feminine hormone and vice versa. So this is not a one layer conversation. It has many layers to it. And until we start to uh, dive into the many different layers that makes a person who they are, we will never fully understand human sexuality or gender. So let's, let, I don't know, let's take this a little bit further then. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we live in a society today, right now, where we understand that we are in a time where we have very rigid gender constructs, the way we think and view of gender. And we have an influx of people even now that do not follow what was considered to be the norm as far as gender, right? We have people that are truly within themselves saying, okay, yeah, I know that I was born one way, but that's not how I'm identifying myself. I know that I could be, but that's not necessarily how I am identifying. And oftentimes we try to make it seem like it is a choice. Hey, Shade. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Keep going. You know, I'm, I'm here, I'm living. So um, <laughs> oftentimes, we get it a little misconstrued because we only want to discuss gender as it pertains to biology, but we don't want to discuss gender as it pertains to a sociological concept that says gender is not just male, female based on biology. Gender right. is a sociological construct that says based on the environment, based on how you identify, this is who you are. And a lot of times we don't want to accept that because we don't want, we, well, we'll accept it when it comes to traditional gender roles, right? So we'll accept it when it comes to, I'm gonna take me for example, I do not like doing manual labor. I find that, you know, the mere fact that the word begins with man, M-A-N, means that a man should be doing the labor. And I loathe manual labor, right? So me, I accept the fact that I do not want to hammer. I do not want to drill. I don't want to do that. those types of things. I place those in the, in the role for a man. Similarly, where you have some men that feel that, well, you know what? I don't want to cook. 
and they place that in a role for a woman. So we we have learned to accept traditional gender roles and then we begin to transition in between, right? Because you do have women that are in construction. You do have men that are cooks. You have male ballerinas now. It wasn't as acceptable before. You have male dancers now when it wasn't as acceptable before. But th those traditional roles, we will say that that's okay. But when it comes down to other roles, we're saying, no, 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 that that's how you identify is not is not who you are. So you can't identify that way. That's not acceptable to me. Based on whatever you feel is acceptable, based on whatever you think is agreeable, that's what we do. We place our own minds and we place limitations on what we feel is right for other people. And that's what we're talking about today when it comes down to human sexuality and rigid gender constructs. It's the fact that we cannot continue to basically place these rigid norms that we want to call norms. We can't continue to place these rigid norms on people as a whole because that, that's not where it's coming from. That's not where, basically that's not where it's at for today. So I'm going to stop there because I feel like I was rambling. I don't want to ramble. So anybody else, you could jump in where you fit in. Well, I'll go ahead and jump in. Hi, everybody. My name is Shade Wintervon. I am a non-binary trans woman based in New York City, and I'm really happy to be here. What's your name up top, gentlemen? Marcus. Hi. Good to meet you, Marcus. Nice to meet so you, I'm too. Happy to, I'm happy to be here, and I just wanted to introduce myself first and foremost. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of background, I'm a celebrity hairstylist and makeup artist, but I also am a professional social media commentator as well. Um, across a lot of different platforms, I create these spaces in which I am able to connect a lot of different people from a lot of different demographics and really to get on a like-minded basis. Um, from a scholarly standpoint, it's called quantum processing. When you and several people reach a certain level of frequency to where you all can communicate and understand things on a higher level in hopes to shift something, um, rather it's like systemic marginalization, rather it's a civil war, whatever it is. Um, I'm all about quantum processing. I'm all about putting my mind together with groups who are like-minded so that we can raise the elevation so that my people, people of color, my people, people of the LGBT community, my people, women, you know, are heard and that there are spaces of inclusion for those people. So that's my intro. <laughs> okay. Give it up one time for the intro. <laughs> All right, so I just want to say before we before I go ahead and get started on my point, um, we've shared this this platform um, to the Art of Dream Tony on my business page. So anyone who's watching, please do me that solace and share this. We definitely want for this conversation to reach the masses. And the whole point of this conversation is to really open up a space of understanding for us all, especially those who may be stuck in the heteronormative loop you know, that's mm -hmm. been placed in all of us um, socially. So just to begin really quickly, um, we can't talk about rigid gender constructs. And I have my notes, so I'll be looking down pretty, um, pretty frequently. Look, me and, you, me and you both, we with it. <laughs> we can't, we can't even ahead. begin to talk about, we can't even begin to talk about um, rigid gender constructs or uh, negative toxic gender roles 
before we even identify three parts that sociology are broken up into first and foremost, okay? So for those who may not understand and who may not be on the same level of education as I am, or as the, my other, as the other panel members are, members are, I will break things down. And if either two of you, you know, want me to go back and repeat or dumb it down a little bit for lack of better terms, I'm not calling anybody dumb, and forgive my broken nails, I just don't care. Um, break it down, I will. Um, so again, first and foremost, before we go into any of this, we cannot talk about gender construct or it being rigid without breaking sociology up into the three parts that make sociology, okay? So the first one is gonna be symbolic interaction theory. That's first. The second one is going to be gender conflict theory. And the third one is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, and the third one is going to be like intersectionality. We're gonna speak on the, those three things and start there first and foremost. So for those who may not really understand firstly what social and in symbolic interaction theory is, it's really something that is, it's something that's set into place and that symbolizes how we are supposed to interact, interact. Mm -hmm. gender, roles are, gender roles are concerned, okay? A lot of this is derived from like, um, cavemen times or from what they um what they used to call as um the gatherer age or the hunters age. hunter and gatherer mm -hmm. right so a lot of these a lot of these roles stemmed from i mean this is what a lot of anthropologists like to debate yes that these gender roles came from the hunter hunting and gathering age where men were physically stronger and women were childbearers so it worked for them from from a system standpoint symbolic interaction theory speaks to gender being a system and and speaks to it working in harmony um with each other so, yeah mm -hmm. in so many in so many words okay so what has what has happened when we're talking about symbolic interaction theory is that it has been institutionalized into all of us and etched into our minds in such a way where these symbols or these gender roles that have been assigned to us from way back when we from a cultural standpoint as black people because i can't speak about what it's like to be black i can't speak about what it is to be any other race or i can't speak of any speak from any other community standpoint but black so as far as black people are concerned these gender roles have been systemically passed down from generation to generation to generation where it's all is known and there's not even a place um, of openness for it. So then we go to the next one, and that's gender con conflict theory. And that's a structural system that distributes power to some and disadvantages to others. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So what this so what this means for people um, is this is when we get down to like um, wage equality um, or the things that from a sociological or from a um, societal standpoint that are meant to raise up the man and lower the woman. So for instance, this is what the patriarchy versus the matriarchy is. This is what I'm talking about for those who may not understand what I'm saying when I'm talking about um, gender conflict theory um, and the structural system that's in place to denounce and to celebrate some. Um, I'm gonna kind of, I'm going to kind of veer off for just one second just to make my point a little bit for those who may not understand this verbiage. Um, what I'm saying is, is that um, the black femme figure, whether it's a black 
gay man who is effeminate, rather it's a black cisgender woman, rather it's a black trans woman, the black femme figure itself is has been denounced within black America, okay? And what's so unfortunate about this fact is that the black masculine figure has been uplifted and has been celebrated, whereas in the last 65 years, the black masculine figure has been relatively absent and has been relatively invisible. And what's crazy about the, the denouncing of the black femme figure and the celebration of the black masculine figure is that this the black masculine figure in majority of black families is almost like Santa Claus these days. However, it is celebrated. A lot of these people are celebrating something they have never seen. They are they're celebrating a rhetoric that they cannot speak to. They're celebrating a rhetoric, a rhetoric that is pushed through media, whereas at the end of the day, you both up top tell me who was most instrumental in your lives. It was mama. It was auntie. It was grandma. It was a lady down the block, you know, Miss Shirley or this person or that person. It was those figures who have been most instrumental in Black folks' lives over the last 65 years at least, okay? So that is- But let's, un let's unpack that real quick. So- Okay. And it's because it's important for us to literally uh, basically converse concerning everything at least, especially concerning everything that you just said, um, in order to everybody, in order for everybody to wrap their minds around everything that you literally just said, because basically, what you just uttered was was a was a was truly a notion that was you know stated by Malcolm X back in 1962, which was uh, the most neglected woman in America is the black woman and the most disrespected and unprotected woman in America mm -hmm. is the black woman. And also one of the things that, um, was very prevalent concerning the black male figure in black America is the fact that if we truly unpack it and you go all the way back to slavery, a lot of the men were murdered at that time or they were ran off at that time from being the protectors that they were naturally, that they naturally exactly. were. And then on top of that, what begins, what began to happen is, is that you began to have the black male figure um, being demeaned and emasculated um, in front of their family which then now perpetuates where we're at today, where we see that there is a rise in a single family household where the black male figure is not as prominent. Um, the black male figure, you know, sometimes takes flight, right? Or, you know, like I, I have a nephew where his father was murdered in the streets. So he's raised by a single black mother because his father was murdered, you know, or, you know, we have the situation where, uh, the black males are incarcerated. So a lot of, and, and we saw that through history and through time for the simple fact that since slavery from black Americans, the slaves being brought into this country, the black male figure was literally dehumanized and demeaned to the point where he did not know how to stand. And then the image of the black male figure was one that said he's a brute, 
right? Because that's what they would see. They would show a strong male figure on TV and one that was a brute that was like a monster. And then you would see another image of one that was docile and that would just follow whatever white America at that time would tell him to do. So there were these two images. And at what point did we begin to say, no, that's not who you are. That's not who we are. And at what point did we begin to raise our young black males to understand that at the end of the day, you are strong, you are powerful, you are king, you are wonderful, you are excellent. And this is where we have these issues at now with this, with, with, with basically rigid gender constructs, because what has taken place over time in history has truly really messed with our psyche. And then it's perpetuated like this, where you have Malcolm X in 1962 basically saying, the black woman is one of the most disrespected, neglected, you know, unprotected woman. And why? Because she was left alone. But the question becomes, at what point do we stop leaving her unprotected? At what point do we stop leaving her from feeling neglected? At what point do we stop leaving her from feeling as if she's unwanted? Well, at what point do we stop that? And I think I think that's that 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 right there in itself is is, is, is is extremely important on top of um, understanding how we are supposed to interact as a society together. That was powerful how you broke down the definition of that because I think the problem is, is that a lot of times we don't know how to interact. Some mm -hmm. people, you know, you get people that say, don't talk at me. We love to talk at people, but we don't know how to mm -hmm. speak to people. We don't know how to converse back and we don't, we don't know how to have conversation. You know, some people, you know, you have these extreme argumentative people, people that are just like, I like to argue, I like to fight. Well, something is wrong with you if you don't know how to speak without no. arguing. People, you know, they, they, the only thing they know how to do is be dismissive and divisive. Well, something is wrong. If that's the only thing that you know how to do, then something is wrong. But that all goes into play with how we view ourselves. How do we psychologically view ourselves and then how do we break down these barriers? Because that right. all of this, these are all bad. What we're talking about today and what we're being open and honest about today is barriers. That's why I said, I am very, Shade, how long have I known you? I met you back in 2015 because you did my makeup. Right. And so, I mean, but, but you were following me for about a year prior to that. Yeah, because I was watching. <laughs> yes, because I was watching. And when you and I first met, which was on a New Year's Eve, day before my birthday, and you did my makeup, right? There was no static. There was no uncomfortability. There was no, there was no, there was no any of that. Everything that you, anytime I seen you, listen, Urban Decay, I was like, yes. Every wig, yes. Every, every rise. And even when I saw people literally taking advantage of you, I was still, girl, listen, what, what, you okay? You know, because right. that, that's how we should be. But we don't know how to be that because we're so busy trying to look at a person for what they, who, well, I think who that, they I think are. That, I think that that speaks to structural functionalism, okay? Yeah. Because a lot, of, a lot of us don't even realize what sociology is and what these, what these different structures are that have been set into place to make the world go round, okay? And... Mm -hmm. 
at the end of the day, when we speak into structural functionalism, for those who don't know, it's really the understanding of the things that were put into place for things to operate yep. accordingly. So the thing about it is that structural functionalism is systemic. As I was saying earlier, it's systemic. So you have to realize that most people are operating in a regard to which they are just um, refiltering what they mama taught them, what they mama's mama taught her, what they mama's mama's mama taught her. Okay? All the mamas. Never taking into the account that possibly your mother was a fool. Never possibly taking into account that maybe your mother, you know, you know, maybe because of her, 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 her level of education, or maybe not never taking into account that the level of education that your great, 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 great grandmother has may have been at a fifth grade or fourth grade level. And that this lesson that has been taught has really been outgrown from an educational standpoint. So when we talk about structural functionalism, it's really from the vantage point that gender is set into place to organize roles to complement each other. And anything that goes against that is generally you know, met with some pushback. And that's why there is such a disregard. That's why there's such a level of disrespect and lack of understanding for trans people of all kinds. So much so to the point that people who may be, you know, respectful to humankind as a whole feel uncomfortable even being in defense of this trans person or this gender fluid person because structural functionalism has really clouded majority of these people's judgment and that's a whole nother that's the next part of it i'll let you guys respond to what i just said <laughs> well marcus do you did you have because I saw, I saw you like open <laughs> well one thing I, I will say is um when it comes to that a lot of people are uncomfortable addressing someone who's different because they're not comfortable with themselves um right. we find that a lot um like my background i work with children so a lot of the things that they're experiencing are thing are because of one loss of hope yes father might not be in the home but also mom might not be in the home as well and so they grow up with a longing and a yearning so although it might be different differences this you all we all feel the same emotions one way or the other um mm -hmm. so back to what you said earlier I have a firm belief that um, without um, masculine, there's no feminine, but also without no feminine, there's no masculine. Uh, we both need each other to prosper. And people don't understand that. At the end of the day, we might have different beliefs, but there's a generation that comes behind us. And if we don't do our due diligence, or in other words, responsibility to give them their, their core basic values, in order for them to make their decision, we have done them a disservice and therefore we've abused them. Not only mm. we have abused them um, emotionally, we've abused them spiritually, we've abused them physically. Why? Because we failed to give them core values that, that allows them to make their own decision. And that's all I was gonna say. Now, so I wanna rebuttal off of your statement right there and I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge it a little bit, but I'm challenging it respectfully, okay? Yeah, you're so fine. I, I understand exactly what you mean as far as the ideal, the idea that the children are the future, okay? But I think that that statement is rooted in a lack of accountability for the people who are adults right now, 
okay? Because at the end of the day, yes, our children are our future, but a lot of what they follow behind of us is not what we're saying, is what we're doing, okay? Right. So you can't, a lot of people, just to make sure that you're understanding what this gentleman is trying to explain, I just want to break it down in, a, in another way, just to say it very clearly and very plainly that a lot of this is going to fall on the backs of our founding fathers, of our foremothers, of our forefathers, and of ourselves, because at the end of the day, we are the individuals who have control over the way that we walk, the way that we talk. As you know, right. just simply being um, an upstanding citizen in society who's able to, you know, pay their own bills, have their own space in which they can operate in the way that they see fit, regardless of class, regardless of race, regardless of religion, which then takes me to the point of you cannot even get to mentoring these babies if the system is continuously broken you know there's no way to teach these babies we're going to have to start with each other we're going to have to start with ourselves and it's really about unlearning everything that a lot of these people thought that they knew and they thought that they understood so to speak to um what you just spoke to as well because i want to make sure that i got it while i'm while it's on the forefront of my mind. You spoke about how there can't be masculine without feminine, you know? So let's take, let's unpack that for a second. There cannot be lightness without darkness. There cannot be land without sea. There cannot be anything. There has to be both elements, okay? I have a um, a trans homegirl who lives in Durban, South Africa. She calls it lay limb and lay lur. And that's to be of your mother and of your father synonymously without eradicating or denouncing any part of that so that's why me as a black trans woman i can get my ass up here on camera with three nails missing and don't give a shit about what y'all think of me you better not give it hello that that's why i can get up here without having to have you know the most fab dress on or without having i, I purposely didn't do my my, ba my baby hairs for this video i purposely wasn't am not as done up as i usually am just to speak to the fact that I could give a shit less about gender construct. I will walk outside with baggy clothes on where you can't see my body and not, it, it doesn't affect me in that regard. But I think this, again, this takes us to the place where you said um, the elements are missing in a lot of these babies and uh, the elements were missing in a lot of us. And that's why the world away is the way it is today. For instance, an um, analogy that I always use is that um, let's think about the Powerpuff Girls for a second. The Powerpuff mm. Girls were created, um, were comprised of sugar, spice, and everything and nice. Everything and nice. a little bit of chemical X, okay? And a little bit of chemical X, okay? So what we have to think about and what we have to remember is that us as a nation, people, especially, let's say, 50 and under, you know, when you create a cake and when you bake a cake, if you miss one ingredient from it, when you take that cake out, it falls down the middle, period. Mm -hmm. It don't matter how much you mixed it. It don't matter how much you left it baking. It's going to fall. It will even fall if you burnt it and it's black. When you take it out and it oxidizes, it's going to fall right down the middle. So I think that that's a lot of what we're experiencing right now. We have been um, led astray as far as construct is concerned whereas i think a lot of these people are worried about the wrong things because a lot of these people who are against um trans rights a lot of these people who are against um lgbt rights and all these different things you know have not even worked for a lot of these rights for themselves and that's what makes it a little bit challenging for me because i cannot take information from a man or a woman who has not at least learned to be stable
And I agree with that, because if you don't know how to be stable, how the hell are you going to tell me what rights I should and should not have? But even, hello, but even if we go a little bit further with that with rights, and this is why I have a very big problem with a lot of people that saw an issue with the Supreme Court ruling that a person cannot be fired, terminated, basically discriminated against due to their sexuality. I don't understand how in the world can you say you love people, you love this, you love that, but you can't understand the mere fact that everyone deserves the basic human right of being able to have a job and to be able to sustain themselves. I have a very big problem with these modern day hypocrites that run around here and want to preach to everybody else, but the minute uh, 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 a person that does not live according to how you view them to live or how you think they should live gets a basic human right. All of a sudden there's a problem and this country is going to hell. I don't understand stuff like that. I can't get with anything like that. Well, and I think well, that again, it's I, think, I think a lot of that, I think again, you know, to unpack it some more, that is I can tell you why clearly and plainly black men and black women have an issue with black trans women. And again, it's because the black femme figure in totality has been denounced. Okay. You got to remember, like I said, a good, I can't, I don't remember what the actual percentage was and I researched today before yesterday, but I want to say it was definitely between 60 and 70% of black households have the father absent okay so let's start let, let's start there so a lot of these a lot of these men we're just going to talk about the men for a second a lot of these men you trans women and drew view femininity even if we don't talk about femininity let's just talk about the black femme figure and not assign it to gender okay these men were raised up in households where they got their asses whooped for watching commercials with barbies on them they got their asses whooped for moving a little bit too swift. They got their asses whooped for being up under grandma while she was cooking. They got their asses whooped for whining and expressing their pain or expressing their emotions or having empathy. A lot of the things that are associated systemically and from a sociological standpoint with the woman, these gentlemen were abused and scared to even express themselves in a compassionate, feminine way. So now what happens is when those men grow up, anything attributed to femininity, they are going to go against whatsoever because they have been wired as a baby that that's not for you. That's not for you. That's not how life is supposed to be. That is against it. And if I catch you doing anything gay or feminine, I'm going to beat your ass. So that is filtered. A lot of that hate comes from these guys' mother. A lot of this hate comes from these, 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 these guys' aunts and grandmothers because you cannot forget majority of these people were fatherless. Now, if we speak about the absence of the fathers in these households and what ends up happening to relate it back to the denouncing of the black men figure, they then start saying, I'm the mama and the daddy, okay? But, and it's celebrated. But on the flip side of it, when you think about single fathers, when single fathers say, I'm the daddy and the mama, it's frowned upon. Okay, mm -hmm. anything that has a feminine flair or anything that has anything to do with femininity is denounced. And that goes back to before the Yes We Can movement, before 1920, when really gender role and gender construct got into place, 
you know, where women had to pull up their skirt and show their ankle to let a man know that he was that she was interested in them. That all predates all of those different things. So again, I really do think that majority of that hate and majority of that pain comes from the denouncing of the black femme figure. Because again, women, I mean, these men were not present in these children's lives. So a lot of times these mothers went so hard as far as gender construct was concerned to make sure that their sons weren't feminine so that they could make it. Okay, so they can survive in these streets because they didn't want their children to be soft. These are the mothers who say, if you get your ass whooped, go back outside till you beat him back up. These that was my mother. You know, these, and, and that's toxic, Nakia. It's toxic. It may it's be toxic, socially. It may be accepted. It may be accepted socially. But what we have done is we have etched these ideals in these babies' minds, and now they grow up and they have no access to the power of femininity, rather you're a man or a woman. So just think about who, who these people could have become or who they could have been if they were well-rounded. Because at the end of the day, feminine and masculine, just like the gentleman said, they go together. They go together. That's harmony. So just imagine what these people could be if they were well-rounded. And I think that that's where the issue lies therein is because these people are missing the elements that make the cake stink. I get it. Gail, I know, I think you, you had your hand so, raised. Yeah. So, um, Wait, is somebody agree. else on here? Oh, this guy's uh -huh. right here. Somebody? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just don't want to be on camera because I look a hot mess. So, um, but one of the things I wanted to say is um, it comes from a place of ignorance um, mm -hmm. and us not knowing. Um, but it also comes from that 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 saying of if they knew better, they would do better. And a lot of times, if we take from caveman times, which you were talking about, let's look up until the 1950s, they they weren't educated. They were taught a lot of the things um, from the slave masters because they had been stripped of their very own identity when they were brought over here from slavery. Mm -hmm. So now they were being institutionalized in the sy systematic uh, racism and and all the different things that they learned, they picked up from people that had that came from Europe and all these other uh, <coughs> other countries that had nothing to do with them. So they didn't even have an identity of their own and they're picking up, they're taking somebody else's identity. And so they did the best that they can do with the information that they had to keep their family together and keep their boys safe and their girls safe. But as we look at the 1950s, the nucleus family then changes. And then you have grandma and you have uh, aunts and uncles and you still have the mom and dads living in the house. It wasn't until they instituted this system of welfare and and those types of benefits that the fathers then were removed from yep. the homes. Yep. Because then you, can, you couldn't get benefits and the father still the being father the was still there. Yep. So you have that, you have those constraints. 
right? Because at that time, the nucleus family, the father took, the children still stayed home and the fathers took the boys out and taught them how to hunt and things like that. The mothers kept the, kept the daughters at home, taught them how to cook and clean, okay? Now, as we transition, as we go through a transition in what the, what the world looked like, you know, you were starting to see more women get jobs and things transition. You had wars and all that. Well, so you had to, you got to take it back to World War II. Because that's what I was about yeah, to say. Yeah, the Yes We Can movement, exactly. Right, mm -hmm. so you, you have the war and then they take all our men. So now the women are now working in the factories and things like that. So, but understand, even at that time, we still didn't have rights. We still didn't have rights. This is true. Right. But I'm just I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a pan of, of what happened from caveman up until now. And one of the things that we didn't learn how to do was we did not learn how to transition with the transition. We didn't learn how to grow and, and accept um, that there was now people that was gender fluid. There was now people that had same-sex attractions. You know, there were now people that said, oh, I like both men and women. And I don't have to. Just me. Huh? Is she staticking for y'all too or just me? No, I hate no, I, Yeah, I just I just sent you a message, Gail. I think your microphone is rubbing. Okay, let me, let me switch over. I'll be right back. Let me switch over. I'm going to switch over to a different device. So something, you guys? we're here. So I think it's also it's 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 good to understand because I think that was that was her um, microphone. But I think that it's still it's good to really and truly understand, like what Shade brought out, structural functionalism, because a lot of things were put into place. And in order for us to understand the structure and how, you know, we feel that these gender roles are supposed to be. And then we have a lot of systemic changes that began to take place. And based on those systemic changes and, and those challenges, now you have a whole entire movement that is going forward. Hi, Gail. Hey, that can you guys hear better. me better? Yeah. Okay. And also, um, Sade is coming back in as well, because I think her microphone was as well. One second. Yes. Hey, Sade. Okay, I'm back. It was static. It was static and really bad for me. I don't know what that was about, but I'm back. Oh, sorry. That's all right. You know these mic. But Gail, go ahead. I want you to. I really want you to um, finish unpacking your thought because it was a really great thought. Um. So we never made that transition. Um, and a lot of people never grew up and, and they never wanted to recognize that there were people that was different from them because all our lives we were told that we had to live and be a certain way. So one of the things is the ignorance of people. People were just plain ignorant and not knowing and didn't understand and then didn't want to take the time to understand until they really started, I've noticed, until people started really having interactions with transgender people, with uh, people in the LGBTQI community, no matter which you identify as, 
So I, I think it's, it's like I said before, I think it's like an onion and there is many layers to it and you have to pull back each layer at a time. I think one of the things that we like to see is that the whole onion be peeled back all at once mm -hmm. and we don't have right. patience for, for we, okay, we got this one layer off. We worked with that one layer. Let's go ahead on and deal with the other layer. And we're trying to pull all the layers down all at once. And sometimes if you do it too fast, the, the change won't last. And you're always going to have um, friction and tension when you're, when you're in a transition of change. I agree. Now, to your point, to, to your point, um, just to be clear, you know, I want you for everyone viewing this to understand that gender construct, the, the, the gender construct that Black America understands is a Western world thing, okay? For all, for anyone who has been able to travel abroad, you know that in most other societies, there are three or four different genders. There's male and woman, and then there's usually like a third non-binary one, or they'll refer to it as two-spirit. So I think it is very, very important that we acknowledge that this idea of gender construct is really um, based off of the reach that a lot of these people have to the world and outside of their communities, you know? Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> we can only we only know what we have access to more times than not so i think to piggyback off of what she was just saying it's not that these people don't know it's not like that the it's not like we have not always been there what has happened is our existence has been eradicated the same way that they tried to do it to black people. And I tried to explain to people all the time that the civil war that LGBTQIA plus people are going through right now is very similar to what black people went through. Because let's not forget just 50 years ago, your, your grandmother was abominable for being black. Let's not forget just 60, 60, 60, 70 years ago, you was going to hell and you were all these negative things simply because your skin was black. So it's the exact same eradication that black people went through that we're going through right now. So personally, I don't agree that it's that these people just weren't taught it or that they didn't go along with the transition. Because if we are really unpacking the history of global gender construct and gender norms, there is text that is proven like his, from, from a history standpoint that speaks to eunuchs, you know, being these ethereal figures, you know, back in the day before Christ, rather they were um, chosen mm -hmm. by, the different, by the different kings or rather they were eunuchs who made that decision on their own because these figures were, were, were these androgynous figures were almost looked at as ethereal because these people in that time understood the power of being able to have a lens that could see into both spectrums, being able to lean to the left and see what it is for the man to think and be able to lean to the right and see what it is to think from a womanly perspective. These figures were celebrated, but we were denounced just like the different kings and queens in Ethiopia and Nigeria were overturned and denounced as well. So it's not that these people didn't know about us. It's not that these people didn't, didn't ship with the 
transition, what has happened is that the history, our history has been eradicated and denounced the same way that white America is trying to denounce black history and the history of the natives, the indigenous natives, that is. Mm -hmm. So again, this, this really goes down to a bigger issue because I don't even think that people really understand that sexuality, gender, gender identity, and gender roles are all synonymous, all synonymous but not mutually but... exclusive. Mm -hmm. They're not mutually exclusive. So that what that means is I can be a black trans woman, but that does not mean that I was a black gay male before I transitioned. I'm going to give you a perfect example of that. Caitlyn Jenner, when she was still Bruce, she had a wife, she had children, and even now as Caitlyn, she is in a lesbian relationship. So that tells you right there, because people can't, for whatever reason, seem to can't wrap their minds around gender gender and sexuality not being synonymous. I can absolutely be a trans woman and still be and still only be attracted to cis women or so on and so forth. So a lot of these things I really think fall down to a lack of understanding of history. Um like she said, um like wait, which way? Which way? That way. Look, like, that she way. Said, um, <laughs> like she said, um <clears throat> ignorance, ignorance as well. But I don't think that it's about oh, we didn't see those people, or oh, we didn't know that they were around, because we've been here, we've yeah. been shifting the narrative, and it's, it's mighty funny to me that it's only the only places that cis women, generally speaking, black cis women, usually only acknowledge the gays or the girls when they need the their girls. hair done, or when they need their makeup done. That's hmm. the only space that we have been celebrated, and historically, these are the people who have led that movement as far as beauty is concerned is it is recent excuse me as far back as i know the 1940s the girls the, the the trans girls and the gay boys is the ones who give you your press and curl so it's i find it a little strange when i hear people say oh this is not something that was seen or oh we just we just weren't raised like that or oh you didn't really see people like that because yes you did yes you did and you chose to ignore, but you saw, and it was it was very prevalent. It was very much so known, it. and it you wasn't a secret. It. It, just, it wasn't a secret. It just didn't do, it just didn't do you no good, right? To create to, to to celebrate them outside of going to the salon. It didn't do you no good hmm. to celebrate them outside of yeah, girl, you look good, you fab, you this, you that, and the third. You know. So again, it falls down to, like I said denouncing anything that's feminine and that's what makes it super rigid even when it comes down to the way that trans women interact with each other you know it's not celebrated if trans women are not usually what they call like femme queens in the community we call them femme mm. queens okay and femme queens are basically this image of like the highest the highest level of femininity you can get to that's the femme queen they got the titties they got the hair, they got the skin, they got the teeth, they got the body. Everything about them embodies femininity. However, when you run into the femme queen, you know, you can't, they don't celebrate the girls who may acknowledge themselves as trans, but they're still a little bit masculine. You know, they don't acknowledge, you know, the girls who are a little bit different. Whereas at the same time, when you think about cisgender women, cisgender women are not celebrated for that either. When you see those girls who are more, more masculine, 
like to wear basketball shorts, we'll use Kyla Pratt and Love and Basketball, for instance. Those little girls are usually treated like outcasts. Go put on a girl. Go put on a dress. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Why are you acting like a boy? Why are you doing this and why are you doing that? So that same, that same ideology is in our community as well. But I just really think that a lot of the reason why the trans women are being murdered at the rates that they're being murdered now and that there are so many different issues within the community goes back to what we have been conversing about this last 30 minutes. These men and these women have no self-esteem. These men and these women have no ground to walk on as far as their identities are concerned, generally speaking. And that's what makes it challenging. You are afraid of what you don't know. And that's the truth. And that was one I had. Um, I was I was reading an article the other day about the trans the trans man that was murdered um, by the police, actually, um, which has not received any attention whatsoever, which is unbeknownst to me, because this man was murdered. Why? Because he was defending himself against those whom had attacked him. And they attacked him because he was a trans man. And so then he got very angry. He was very upset. He was very hurt. So he went back to go retaliate. And instead of diffusing the situation, the cops home with a gun, boom, shot. No, no, that's not how we handle these things. And Gail, I think you were just telling me that there, there was a trans woman that was just murdered in um in Philadelphia, right? I believe yep. it was in, in Philly. This man, you know, and I and I don't understand why this is not getting the same. And this is why I have a very big problem with people that have a problem with people saying black trans lives matter too. But it, and the reason why they're saying it is because of the fact that we're not including the black trans into the Black Lives Matter movement yeah. as a whole. I mean, you can't pay you can't pay me to go out there and march for y'all. And I just and that's just me being one hundred. there you cannot pay me to get up and go and walk and put my life at risk. Or even if it weren't at risk, you cannot pay me to go and march for black lives. The same lives who say that I'm abominable, the same lives who celebrate murderers but denounce femininity, the same lives who, who 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 leave these women at home to watch their children to, to raise these babies alone? I'd be damned if I take my beautiful ass out there and put my life on the line to support a rhetoric that a lot of people don't even understand. And what's crazy about it is that these people, these hotep ass people, who these hotep and these cis het, which means cisgender heteronormative ass people fail to realize and don't even understand is that Black Lives Matter was created by a black gay man. And a lot of y'all fools don't even know that. The person who leads it, the person who created it is black and gay. Um, I think that's coming out now because I, I saw some people um, upset about uh, when they finally actually took the time out to read uh, the Black Lives Matter and actually read what they stand for. One of the things that they absolutely did say that they stood for was everyone that is black. And it was not uh, exclusive uh, based on gender identity, uh, sexuality, or anything like that. It, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't that. And some people are upset about that, uh, especially some of these fake church people, because I don't understand how you can be upset about that for someone saying that everyone's life matters. 
but you want to base that their life should not matter for the simple fact that because they don't follow what you believe the Bible tells you that that they should be. And I have a very big problem with that um, as well, because I think that is it is very ignorant. I, I'm not even going to call it ignorant because ignorant would be for a, you know, a child is ignorant because a child does not know better. But right. adults are not ignorant. Some of these adults, y'all are just stupid. And it's stupidity right. because you refuse to get to gain the information and the knowledge. So it becomes stupid. It, it becomes stupid, and you become stupid. Because you refuse to understand simple, basic human concept, and that's why I keep saying a lot of this is simple, basic human concept. As a human being, how should I say that another human being's life doesn't matter? If I'm saying black lives matter, that does not mean that that's mutually exclusive to just black heterosexual male, female lives. No, that means all black lives, no matter which which way you fall, whether you're cisgendered, because um, there's a whole list of them. Uh, yeah. That whole list, that all lives matter, but we don't want to, we don't want to rally behind that because we have been built up with a social construct to say that's wrong and I don't agree with how they live. I want to interrupt you for one second while this is on the forefront of my mind because it goes with what you were, what you were saying. Um, a lot of this hate is autonomous, okay? It's autonomous. It has mm -hmm. been etched into us systemically it's autonomous it's automated it's something that we do automatically and what a lot of y'all black folks don't understand is that baby you wearing the same overcoat as the kkk it's just towards us you're wearing the same mask that racists are wearing towards y'all towards us okay because the same way that you call a white person's racism out, what's the first thing they say? Oh, no, 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 I can't be racist because I have black friends. When you call a black homophobic person out or transphobic person out, what they say? Oh, no, 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 I got gay family or I got gay cousins or I got somebody in my family who's trans. But that does not denounce the fact that you are hateful. It doesn't denounce the fact that you are rooted in systemic hate and it's autonomous. It's autonomous. So I would say to that that I don't think that's for everyone. I think some people don't don't have that hate. They just disagree. Um, and it's that's where the conversation gets clouded because you have people exactly. who disagree, but they get they get uh I, I guess they get muddied into people who who like you said hate because they don't understand. Um it's I'm into music, so it's literally in music. I think that you saying, I think that you saying that they disagree respectfully is rooted in hate because, with all due respect, you can't disagree with somebody's identity. No, you can't That's disagree. Who they are. You can't disagree with a person's identity, and I still have the right to be like, "That's just not for me." See, but there's a difference between saying something is not for you and saying I disagree with with how you live. I disagree with how right. you identify because you know I, I've had this discussion a lot no, of see, times. Let me let's let's just be clear, Nakia. Being trans is not a way of life. Being trans is that is an identity. So the way you live is not associated with being trans. You can be a trans person who's a thief. Your lifestyle is a thief. 
That doesn't yes. have nothing to do with you being but trans. That's why I said <laughs> there is a difference between saying I disagree with your lifestyle and I disagree with how you identify yourself compared to just saying, you know what, that's just not for me. Because you cannot disagree. I cannot like something, but I cannot disagree with with your with how you choose to how you are how you are identified within your own self. You know, like that's like that that would be like someone saying to me, you know what, I don't agree with the fact that you're a woman. Who the hell are you to agree or disagree with the fact that I am a woman? You know what? Right. I don't agree with the fact that you date men. Who in the hell made you the naysayer or naysayer over who I date and who I'm attracted to. And I think that if we would really get down to the real deal of this entire situation and understand that you don't have to agree, nor do you have to disagree. You waste a lot of your energy borrowing your little brow and being upset by disagreeing with someone else's life, period. That's my life. You don't have to like it. You don't have you don't have to do nothing because guess what? We don't even need to breathe in the same area. Truth be told. And if you see me, no, walking, Danielle, he wasn't. No, Danielle, he's not a trans man. The, the Black Lives Matter um, organizer and creator is a black gay man, not trans. Sorry. <laughs> no, I saw that comment. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, but I, I just I think that if we if we would truly begin to understand that it is not our job to agree or disagree. I had, I had someone tell me yesterday, they were like, you know, it's just as good that, you know, we can agree to disagree. And I was like, I don't believe that we agree to disagree. I just believe that we have two varying opinions and we just voice right. two opinions and we're having right. a conversation and it is what it is. I'm not, a, I, I am a firm believer. I am not agreeing to disagree with anybody. And I refuse to, because I find that to be a cop-out, to be honest with you. I, I find that to be right. a cop-out of a conversation because you should learn how to right. go without having to try and agree to that. Well, we can just agree to disagree. Well, no, we don't need to agree to do, do nothing. We okay. can just have two separate opinions. So okay. I believe that it's okay for people to live in their identity. And I think that if we would get down to the point of saying it is okay for you to live in your identity, then we would all be much better and we wouldn't have such, such panties in a bunch, such boxers in a bunch, such attitudes about people, people. I'm not talking about, it's people receiving human rights to say that, guess I mean, what? I won't be discriminated against because of who I am. And if we don't start understanding that people are who they are, because we always want to change people based on what we find as what we or based on what we have defined in these roles, we got to debunk all of that stuff. We got to stop doing that because people have very big problems. And, I, I, and I'll be very honest, all jokes aside, I worked at Wawa, right? And at Wawa, there was a transgender woman that worked at Wawa, but she was really in the beginning, but she went by her name, okay? Because that was her name. And guess what? Me and her happened to be in the bathroom. This woman almost fell out the entire bathroom because she was so disgusted by seeing a transgender woman in the bathroom with the child. Now, my whole thing is this. She ain't hurt you because guess what? 
what you see in the news or what you hear in the news, you hear a lot about these uh, men that are hiding in the stalls in the in the women's bathroom, waiting to see who they could rape, waiting to see. You or, know, them, or, or, or them pastors, or them pastors touching on their sons, or the football players touching listen. on their I mean, or the football coaches touching on their sons, or the uncles touching on their sons, or the daddies touching on their sons. But we seem to always want to categorize this as, well, because they're different, then they're, um, no, this is not going to be safe. This is going to be this. this. And it's like, no, no, some, some, listen, there are sick people everywhere. Right. It's That's my point. It's there are sick exactly people everywhere. It's the exact same thing. Again, I don't think that black people understand that it's the, like I said, it's the same mask that white supremacists wear. It's the same way you uncomfortable when you walk through the beauty supply store and Chung Lee is following you around. Hello. It's the same, it's the same energy in the same space of negativity that you're using to try to create a space of disassociation for me and my people. But know? and that's something that we don't necessarily we don't we don't want to talk we don't really want to talk about that because when the way we view it is is that you know well, I'm not in a position of power to withhold anything from you, but you are exuding a prejudice. Right. Right. And that's just that. That's just that on that. And I really feel for a lot of these people now, because for me, I've been given a, a very beautiful opportunity to live in the same spot um, during my transition. So I've lived in this apartment before I transitioned and I've gone through my entire transition up to today in the same apartment. So what has happen is I've been giving a very rare opportunity to change the narrative of my entire neighborhood because it was a certain level of respect that I had already had that was customary even before I transitioned. So once I transitioned and everything started to really take form and come together, there has been a different level of respect that is given to me because it's not the status quo of Tu Wong Fu, a Tu Wong Fu trans woman. Or holiday heart. Did you say too long for? Yes, I did. What? Because what, what you have to what you have to get is a lot of these black people don't know trans people personally and have never met trans people personally and only go off of too long food. Only go off of Jamie Foxx on In Living Color. Only have how or Martin to go or Medea. Go ahead. Right or Medea mm -hmm. or Medea to go to to go off of, and I don't really. I don't really count Medea because the thing about it is the Medea, Tyler Perry is a drag queen, okay? Not a trans woman. The reason why I referenced Holiday Heart, Tu Wong Fu, and the things that I did because those girls were trans women, okay? Yeah, they were. Is that for, for instance, Medea, I mean, Medea is a drag queen figure, whereas these, a drag queen figure put into place to celebrate heteronormative black femme figures like grandma or great aunt or so on and so forth. Whereas Tu Wong Fu, Holiday Heart, these different stories were put into place from the lens of trans women themselves. So what you have to get and understand is, is that a lot of the access that black America has, a lot of black America has to trans, black trans women is kind of obscured because you don't really see a whole lot of girls like me or see a whole lot of girls who have education, who are not doped out, who may not be super brolic, who may not be put together well like 
your mother or your auntie. So you have an idea that a black trans woman is going to be this gay boy, you know, who you can clearly tell is a man mm -hmm. and walking around flamboyant. And that's just simply not the way that this goes. Women come in every shapes and sizes, okay? You got tall ones, you got short ones, you got some that's big at the top and little at the bottom. You got some who don't got edges, you got some who got a head full of hair. It really just depends on your access to a lot of different things. And I personally feel like things that you don't generally have access to, you should not be speaking on whatsoever. That's for in, we're, we're all foreign the same way if you go to an asian country them them people are going to look at you as no matter what gender you are just being a black person like you are an alien or something because it's simply that they've never something that they've never ever seen before they want to touch your hair they want to touch your skin they want to do all of those different things but what you won't hear them do is challenge your identity because they don't even know what it is hmm. right Mm -hmm. that's so true they don't even know what it is so i mean i think that for me it gets a little bit obscured because my experience has not been what we are taught that my experience should be should as a black be. trans woman mm -hmm. you know i live in brownsville brooklyn first of all anytime i tell people i live in brownsville they're like bitch you live where hello you live, we, look you live, did you did you see you, did you see my nod go down brownsville right Right, you live where? And I've been here for almost four years. But the thing about it is, is that I am so covered in grace and mercy that I have always marched to be my own drum state to state, city to city. And it's not nowhere you're telling me I cannot go, ever. It's not nothing you cannot tell me I can't do. And I think what really fuels that energy for me is because the first person to disrespect me was my mother. So I learned how to deal with social pushback at home until i left home so mm -hmm. a lot of the things that come my way and a lot of the things that create this 40 or four young black trans women literally goes over my head and it's not anything that i'm ever whatsoever concerned about and i think that that has been the saving and driving force as far as my identity is concerned in a neighborhood that i live in because even if you can tell that i'm trans most guys and women are usually off put that I'm put together. So we're like, shit, I don't give a damn you trans. Do you see her hair? Do you see her skin? Do you see, do you hear how, how, how she sounds when she opens her mouth? That girl got an education. It's not much that people have seen before. So when I run into these people, I really try to make sure that I'm handling, handling and representing myself with cool, making sure that I try to exude that Claire Huxtable ideology make sure i exude that cheryl lee ralph and and moesha you know you know energy that black mama that gracefulness like dominique Devereaux had in dynasty that's what i embody because that's not something that people are used to seeing in the daytime they associate trans women with the nighttime we're supposed mm -hmm. to be women of the night. We're supposed to be prostitutes. We're not supposed to be in boardrooms and shit. You know, Nakia, I was an executive artistry trainer for L'Oreal under Urban Decay, boo. So we're not, so I'm not supposed to be in the spaces that I've been in. I'm not supposed to have the level of education that I have, but I think that what has happened for me is, is that it has fueled me. And there's just this light that's around me that has protected me. So again, I don't walk into spaces and get a lot of that energy. And even if people can tell my confidence, 
is so off-putting that it usually makes them think this bitch got to be crazy. So we're not even going to mess with her because it takes balls to be able to move through life like this. So I know she has stabbed me in the eye or something like that. You know what? There's no way this person is moving in this regard without some type of protection. Or but you know what? Me. But everything that you just okay. said truly exudes how women have had to be for so long. Because you just, we, you just wait, let me let me finish your statement and then I want you to pick it up. Okay, so go ahead, girl. With all, with all of that being said, a lot of trans women, and, and, and this is for my trans girls out there and for my LGBTQ community, y'all go y'all probably gonna feel some type of way, but hey, y'all don't like me no fucking way, so I don't care. With that being said, with that being said. So many times I hear these trans women and I hear the LGBT community referencing these murders, referencing these things that are happening within the community. This my 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 next statement is going to be broken up into two parts. The first part of that statement is baby girl, especially if you passable, this is what it's like to be a woman. These men are not chasing you down the street because you a sexy trans woman. They're following you and chasing you down the street and catcalling you and doing all that because that's what it's like to be a woman. That's how your mama got treated. That's how your auntie got treated. That's how all the people, all the women that you have known before your life have gotten treated, especially if you're passable. Because the thing about it is, is that trans women who are not passable still have rights to male privilege, rather they identify as trans or not. Privilege comes from the way society perceives you, okay? Mm -hmm. So think about it. When these trans women become passable and you can't tell, bitch, they're not treating you like that because they can tell you that they can tell you are trans. They're treating Sade the same way that Nakia get treated. Nakia know to wear a big-ass hoodie over her body when she walking down the street when the sun go down, just like I do because them niggas is going to chase after her. Now, with that being said, to go even a step further to my second point now with it, we have now began to forget, and again, it just draws me right back to the point that this is how women get treated and trans women in society are feeling like this is a, this is primarily because we are trans and that's not the case. This is primarily because we are women. Women been getting bribed. Women been getting beat on. Women been getting killed, you know? So that's not to denounce the the travesties and these terrible things that are happening to people who are like myself. But what it is to highlight is that all women of all walks of life, cis, trans, fat, skinny, black, tall, short, they all get knocked upside their heads. They all get called bitches and hoes. They all get cheated on. They all get treated that way because misogyny is a thing and the patriarchy has always, the patriarchy has always been celebrated over the matriarchy. And that's that. That's the, that's the end of my second point. Well, come on point. Yes. And, but that's what I was basically going to say that as a woman, that is how we are taught to truly carry ourselves. One of the things that I was taught as a young woman growing up was, you know, my mother would always say, don't dress for where you are, dress for where you want to be. Because as a woman, it's going to take you that much, it's going to be that much harder and it's going to take you that much longer for you to get to where you want to go. So I need to prepare you now for what you're about to be up against. And just like you said, even, you know, I I, uh, I go walking every single day and I am very much so cognizant of my surroundings. I'm cognizant of what I am wearing. I am cognizant of even, I, I, 
I started even switching up the times in which I left my house because there was this one man that would constantly stop his car and want to talk to me, literally bust a U-turn in the middle of the street to come back and was like, I want to date you, sir. I don't know you. You know what I'm saying? But it it, it, it it turns into that where you literally have to be very careful and very cognizant of your surroundings. And then you also have to be very careful and cognizant of how you actually carry yourself. How do you converse? How do you speak? You know what I'm saying? How how even are you, how even do you carry yourself in different situations and in different realms? What are your actions? What do you do? Because people, especially for women, we are judged harshly. You know, I work in corporate America right. and I am judged harshly for every little thing that I could possibly say. I literally have to reread it over and over again before I actually press send on an email to make sure that, number one, they're not going to view me as the angry black woman, the aggressive black woman, the, you know, whatever black woman that they want to put in and put, put yes. on as black women. And, you know, I have to be very careful about that. And in some days I just don't care. And then other days I'm just like, well, you know what? Wait a minute, let me read this. And then in and I'll even have to send it to somebody and let them proofread it to make sure that everything sounds the way it needs to sound because you don't want to be viewed in a negative uh, connotation because of what people perceive as black women are always angry. Black women are always aggressive. Black women are, the, and it's like, no, we are not. But we, we have someone new that came onto the panel and I would like for him to introduce himself. How are you? I'm well, beautiful lady. How are you? I'm doing well. Hi. So, so he, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I'm giving you the floor because you're new to the saying, panel. I was saying, of course, um, I've been listening to um, most of what you guys have been discussing. And um, I actually had the same discussion earlier. Um, and I pretty much agree with most of, most of what everyone was saying. Um, 